Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to another edition of Loon Talk with myself, Jonathan Harrison, and Dan Terrar. We are the radio broadcast team for all Minnesota United matches on Score North. Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and live.scorenorth.com. Dan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, but you should say almost all. Almost all, yeah, fair enough. I got. I had a weird experience on Sunday. I'm at home listening to the broadcast, Cal Williams yeah. on the play-by-play, and Michael Boxel in the booth mm-hmm. uh, as a uh, color commentary. And it was, it was just kind of weird. I'm, I'm mowing the lawn, trimming hedges, and... Uh, listening to the match, so it was it was really odd for me not to be there. So, all right, uh, we'll but Cal did a great job as usual. Yeah, I was going to say we'll get to your your broadcast critiques here in a second. We'll do some housekeeping here. Uh, just let people know where we can find us and more. You can find myself on Twitter at John Harrison ninety. You can find Dan Terrar on Twitter at Dan Terrar D A N T E R H A A R. Uh, you can find our podcast anywhere you find your podcast, as well as the video version over on Scornor's YouTube channel if you would like to watch our faces talk soccer. Yeah, who um, wouldn't want to see this? Right. I mean, look <laughs> at this. Uh, we like to consider ourselves the best kept secret in MLS, so shh, don't tell anybody unless you're uh, telling no. friends. Um, but yeah, do give us a rating review and a sus- subscription. It really does help us get found. All right, so let's get to it. You mentioned it there. Yeah. At the top. Cal Williams, Michael Boxel joined me on the broad- on the radio broadcast this week. What did you think of how we all did? Well, the call was great. Cal does a good, you know, phenomenal job as usual. So that was um, that was as to be expected. Hang on, I got weird things going on there. There we go. Um, <laughs> Michael Boxel. You know, you you know certain players in any sport. You know the ones that you can throw behind a microphone and it'll do a good job. Yeah. And you know the ones that might struggle. Well, here's the thing. The guys that probably wouldn't be comfortable or wouldn't be good at it will never do it. Right. They'll say, no, thank you. Guys like Michael Boxel, you know he's comfortable with that. And and as the match went on, he got more comfortable and and started. The hard thing about doing – color commentary is if you don't work with the play-by-play guy regularly, you don't know his tendencies and his timing. And, and even as the match went along, you could see Michael was picking up on that and you could see he knew then later in the match where were good points for him to jump in and, Mm -hmm. and this and that. So it's not an easy job to do. And uh, Boxy did a, did a really good job. So, you know, who knows, maybe we can get him back in this weekend. So that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's if he's still injured. Hopefully he's back, but it seems like with Bakai Debassi <laughs> and Brent Coleman back there, they don't need any help. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, Brent stepped up nice, didn't he? Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, just a little I behind. I keep jumping the, scene. the gun on you. You do, you do. You keep jumping down or jumping down do my, the rundown. Let's here. do write that down now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Calm down. I know you're excited to see which Jonathan's, two you got wrong this week. Jonathan's but. figuring out that I don't read formats very often. <laughs> <laughs> you don't Actually, read the. Go- you don't read the Google Doc of what the rundown is for the show. Actually, actually you've known that for a couple of years. It's <laughs> the reason why I stopped printing out the rundown. I'm not going to waste paper for the rundown for the match broadcast. He doesn't even look at it. Don't print it. <laughs> I only look at it for the timing. That's other, That's the only reason I look at it. And I'm the one who makes it. That's right. A <laughs> uh, little behind the scenes. We, we had, we'd known that Kendra was going to do ESPN for a little while. Yeah. So Good Cal for was her. working on – yeah. 
awesome, awesome experience for her. Um, we were working on getting a color commentator for for Cal because we knew he was going to be alone on the broadcast. So Cal's like, oh, Boxy's out. Let's try and get him. And he's yeah. always been a great interview for us. So we figured oh, he'd be fantastic. It took some convincing. He was a little nervous about it. We kept telling him, like, dude, you you know this game better than we do. You play yeah. it still. So just go up there and talk about it like you would talk about it with your friends. I mean, we all just like soccer. Just act like we're three guys sitting around the bar watching the game. And it's going to be fine. And Without the you, swearing. Yeah. Yeah, without the swearing. That helps because it means AJ <laughs> back at the studio doesn't have to hit the dump button. Um, but, yeah, it it was fine. I th- I thought he was great. As you mentioned, he got he got more into it or he got more comfortable with the broadcast yeah. as the game went on. But yeah, I thought it was fantastic and it was fun to have him on the broadcast with us. All right. So we've talked enough about the broadcast. That's we'll we'll move on to the next thing because I know you're eager to jump into all of this, Dan. Uh Loons get a one nil win against the Seattle Sounders, the first time they've beaten Seattle in MLS play. It's the first time a Minnesota United or a Minnesota side has beaten a Seattle side in league play since August tenth, two thousand eight. So back when I was in high or back when I was yeah still in <laughs> high school, my senior year. So it's been a while since they've beaten uh, Seattle side in league play. So it was a huge win, and it was a fantastic atmosphere that day. Overall, before we jump into the finer points, what did you think of the win for the Loons? Well, as I as I listen to the match progress, and it's it's different when you're not you're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, f- it just felt like a match that Minnesota was going to win. Um, they, you know, early on, it kind of felt like, Oh, here we go again. You know, we're, <laughs> we're putting on pressure. We're getting chances. We're not finishing. We're not getting shot, you know? And it's like, again, here's a team that only scored one goal, but it was enough to win. And, you know, this was a huge win. And not, not only was it those first for Minnesota, but first loss of the year for Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they were tearing things up. They were, you know, heads are, ta- they, they were by far the best team in the league. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're missing a few people. So who hasn't been, who isn't, who won't be? I just, I don't even take that into consideration anymore because when Minnesota was depleted and they struggled at times, won at times, I just, just that's just soccer in the United States yeah. because, Every team goes through not only injuries, but international absences. You know, we got a guy sitting, you know, sitting waiting for a green card. You know, it's this is what the MLS is. It's not ideal, (laughs) but every team goes through it. So I don't care that Seattle was missing some players. I I don't. They they came into Minnesota. They got beat. uh, Their first loss of the year. Great run. Great start to the season by them. But it was a huge, huge three points for Minnesota. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, Seattle was missing a bunch of players. But as Adrian said in his post-match press conference, seven of those guys out there are generally regular starters. So you still have seven of your 11 players out there who have been starting a majority of your matches lately. So Seattle fans will want to use that as an excuse. And they've been awful chippy after that match, after they lose for the first time. But that's just how Seattle fans react to everything in the league when it goes against them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, weren't we? Weren't, wasn't there a time last year with all the all the craziness that was going on? Didn't we at one point have a have a lineup with only two or three guys that would be starters normally? Yeah, I think yeah. we did, didn't we? That was it down in Orlando in the bubble. No, we that going, was okay. 
That was later on when MLS was releasing their schedules by the week, it seemed like. so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We had to wait. We are getting schedules a little bit at a time. But, yeah, there was a time where we're going, okay, we're looking at, Who's the, gonna guys play? The, we're looking at the guys that were injured and out, and we're going, that'd make a pretty good lineup right there. <laughs> you know, Tyler, yeah. Miller, Tyler Miller was on that list, and yep. it just went on and on and on. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't care if Seattle was missing some players. They lost, move on. They're still, you know, first place in the West. They're – uh, you know, having a great season. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a big, huge three points for Minnesota. All right, so let's get into a little bit of the finer points mm-hmm. now. Um, I think, for me, the Loons came out really physical in this one. Obviously, they had not had a great performance against Colorado. There was a lot of words said they didn't get the vacation that they had wanted because they didn't play well. They Adrian <laughs> said he thought he thought the club had left those kind of performances behind three years ago, and apparently mm-hmm. not. So... They were practicing pretty much all those 11 days, if not for a couple breaks that are mandated. And we'll get back to mandated breaks here in a little bit when we talk about a coach being fired this weekend. Um, But yeah, they came out and clearly had gotten the message because they came out firing on all cylinders. They came out like they had, they came out playing like they had played in that first half against Seattle where they were all over Seattle. They were very physical, getting the ball back. They were pushing numbers forward very high, not letting Seattle get the ball or have it for a very long time. I liked what I saw, that immediate response into the game. Winning those, uh, winning those one-on-one battles, those challenges in that middle third. And yeah. if you watch the games where Minnesota really struggles, they aren't winning those battles. You know, They aren't coming away from those middle third opportunities and then moving forward into the uh, offensive third. Um, and it just really sounded like there was a lot of that and uh, good good competition. It, it, you know, the lineup wasn't really that much different. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, they got Adrian's mes- message loud and clear. It's too bad that, you know, you had the, uh, the you know, weak performance in Colorado. But, you know, like I said, a weak performance to me is only as weak as what happens the next outing. And if the next outing you put it behind you, then you move on, you forget about it because you don't want to string, you know, losses together. You know, yeah, you're going to lose absolutely. some matches, but you just want to prevent them from uh, starting to pile up in a row. And, and that's when you get into trouble. And that's when coaches get fired and fans get cranky and players get bad attitudes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the 14th minute penalty shout for Adrian Anu, he goes down. It what looked like it could have been a penalty, but then you look on the replay, it was a little bit soft. Boxy said it on the broadcast as well. You He would probably mm-hmm. would have liked to see Adrian Anu stay up on his feet and try and get a shot there. I tend to agree with the guy who's the captain of the team and plays the sport currently, so I'll defer to him. But, yeah, it it looked like it was a soft attempt to try and get a dot or to try and get a penalty call there by Adrian Anu. You'd have liked to see him stay up and, you know, and you figured with how soft the – the push was on him that he could have stayed mm-hmm. up. It, yeah, and I, I didn't see it till later. I heard the description of it, and I saw it later, and I, I agree with that 100%. Here's what I found really interesting is depending on who you're talking to, because as soon as, as soon as Cal asked Boxy his opinion, I thought, mm-hmm. well, he's a defender. He's going to say the guy went down easy. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. And, he, and, you know, he would like to be able just to, you know, go and full force body slam people and take them down and not get called. So, but if you asked a forward that, they would have said, oh, he was all over him. He pushed him. <laughs> so, and, and that would be whether you're talking to a high school soccer player, a, you know, yeah. Sunday league soccer player, or a, a premier league soccer player. Your defenders are going to have a completely different attitude as to what should be a penalty in the right. area 
than a forward is. And that's kind of funny because Boxy was right where you'd expect the defender to be. Nah, that was kind of that looked a little soft. And 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 but if that had been if that had been a forward, he would have been that. Should, that's a penalty that needs to go to the spot. You know, so uh, it's just it's all in perspective. And that was uh, that was kind of one of the moments that caught my attention in the match. And, and thanks to Boxy, he proved me true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the physicality kind of remained for Minnesota. They dominated for much of the first half. But the final 10, 15 minutes or so, Seattle started to get a little bit of a foothold. It was a little worrying going into halftime because Minnesota still hadn't had a shot on goal despite the clear momentum and possession favor they had. And then the final 10 minutes, Seattle were able to get a foothold. They tested Tyler Miller a couple of times. He had to come up twice with some big saves. Um, but the back line were most notable in keeping Seattle off the board. I think I was a little concerned going into halftime because we'd seen this story play out before and knowing how Seattle have played in the past, it was a little worrying at halftime to see that. Yeah. I I, I think that's what everybody was probably feeling. And and I think that Adrian prepared them well for the second half um, because you know that Seattle's coming after you. They're they're not going to go down without a fight. And I thought, you know, I thought they played really well in the second half and, um, you know, did what they needed to do. And, and you know the last 10 minutes or the last five minutes plus stoppage time, you've got, you know, you go into a defensive mindset, whether you're planning on that or not, but you can't help it because you're watching the clock. You know you've got 10 minutes or less. All you've got to do is, you know, not make a mistake, not give them that opening, and you're going to get a huge win in, in front of, uh, you know, a full house at home. So, yeah, that, that's what you're going to expect out of any team, but especially a good team like Seattle. And, and I thought Minnesota handled it very well. Yeah, I agree. Seattle came out. Uh, they continued that momentum a little bit for the first five minutes or so of the second half. But after that, it was pretty much all Minnesota from there on out. Whether the Heat had any to play with that, I mean, we found out afterwards, Kellen Rowe was dealing with flu-like symptoms. So he had to be on, like, he had to have, medical stuff pumped into him before mm-hmm. the match to deal with it. And it was medical hot. It was human. I don't know. the technical doctor. Term. Medical yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. That's why I have Skittles. scarves and stuff back it there. Was, and that's why Skittles. I was drinking chocolate milk last week. And it was, I'm sure that's week. what it was. It was chocolate milk. They were pumping into him. <laughs> if it's the chocolate milk that I had last week, then you would have thought he would have bagged a hat trick. Uh... Medical stuff, medical fluids. I don't know. <laughs> We all, we all know what you mean. We all know what you mean. So, so yeah, and I thought too, I thought, you know, I wonder what effect the high humidity and the heat yeah. was having on them. But, but then you, you stop and go, okay, it's the same for both teams. Yep. You know, they're both dealing it, with it. Yeah. So, everybody, you're, both sides are dealing with, you know, a hot, humid day. And, um, and I just don't think that's as big of a factor. And, yeah. and if it was a factor and players were suffering, then, that's why you have substitutions, you know? Right. I mean, so, Seattle didn't have a whole lot to choose from there, but well, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, they probably should have had <laughs> such good players that got called up to international duty then, you yeah. know, get yeah. worse players and they won't leave. <laughs> we, we, we know what that feels like. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we Three, have everybody. Four years ago. Good news is we have everybody. Bad news is we have everybody. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be working out. Um, no, not now. I'm talking about three, four years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good news <laughs> is we aren't losing anybody to international play. <laughs> That's also the bad news. <laughs> uh, other notable, one other notable, 
well, two notable things from the second half before we get into broader topics on the game. Um, we'll get to the goal first here. Uh, Nico Hansen substituted on for Audrey Nanu, kind of shifted the way Minnesota was playing in that attack and meant Robin Lode went up to the false nine roll. And that seemed to spread Seattle out finally because they were sitting in that three-man back line all match long. And it was really not leaving a whole lot of space for any runners to come on. And we saw that quite a bit where that there was a lot of runs for Minnesota players on the ball. They were take they're taking dribbles, but they're dribbling one mm-hmm. step too long because no one was able to make a run because there just wasn't a whole lot of space. Robin Lloyd comes in at that false nine roll and immediately it spreads out Seattle and opens up holes for those guys to run into. And we saw that with Nico Hansen. Uh, he gets he gets a cross or he gets a cross in and finds Robin Lloyd wide open. No one covering him on the back post. But the thing I don't think many people are realizing or giving a lot of credit to on that one. It was an unreal no-look pass by Emmanuel Reynoso <laughs> to set up Nico Hansen for that cross. It just he knew he just knew instinctively Nico was going to make that run to the outside and was able to just he wasn't even Reynoso's body wasn't even look or no, facing that way. It, it was facing he was facing towards right. the goal and right. Reynoso just tapped it right behind him right into the perfect running space for Nico yeah. to come in and get that cross. Great play all around, great one-two connection there and it was a great easy tap in goal for Robin Lud. And and that would not have happened had it not been for the change in in positioning, yeah. bringing in Nico Hansen. Um I want to go hashtag Heath in. Um <laughs> because for everybody that that jumps on him because he doesn't use his subs properly and they don't like this, and they don't like that. They're all smarter than he is and they and they think it's cute to run around saying Heath out, hashtag Heath out. You know what? <laughs> If you're still saying that today, you're not very bright because I don't because think anybody's saying that today. Nobody, no, they they still are. I mean, they're, not out loud. They're, they're not saying it. No. They're still thinking it in their minds. Yeah, they're yeah. texting it to themselves <laughs> <laughs> because nobody, including you or Boxy or anybody, thought that that's what was going to happen when Nico Hansen went in. That he's going to pull out Adriana New and go back yeah. to the false nine. And you know why he did that? Because it was working in the past. Yeah. And so he goes back to the guy that everybody should be confident in, and that's Robin Lude, and it pays off. Brilliant coaching move by Adrian Heath. Um, probably would have ended nil, you know, nil nil if if he hadn't made that move. Yeah. So my um, hat hats off to the coach. That was a great move. Yeah, it's not because Adrian Anu was playing a bad game. He was playing decently. It's just with how Seattle set up with mm-hmm. the five man back line essentially. There just wasn't a lot of space to make those yeah. runs until you get a guy who's going to drop back a lot more than Adrian Anu is, and he's going to cause those issues where center backs are going to have to chase him around the park or going to have to follow him up field a little bit more than they would like to and right. leave spaces open. And well, they're going to have to get out of yeah, they're going to have to get out of their sink. They're going to have to get you know out of position a little bit. So yeah, yeah it was a great move and and great goal. Um, you know, easy one for uh, for Robin, but yeah, great passes leading up to it it was it was a great it was a great goal on a, on a beautiful day and um yeah nineteen thousand got to enjoy that you said you were listening to it i don't know if you've mm-hmm. gone back and watched the match now did you see sissoko square up with adrian heath <laughs> i did as soon as i heard that i couldn't wait to go back later and watch it <laughs> what? okay let's discuss i think i think you need a cat scan there's something wrong with him what, the what thing you, i liked the thing i liked is that Going back and watching it today, you notice as soon as Sissoko 
moves away from Adrian Heath because it, the players just separate everybody. You see Freddie Montero, one of the more veteran players on that squad, mm-hmm. a Seattle legend, one of the leaders mm-hmm. in that locker room. He's going up to Sissoko and saying, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, That's oh, the yeah. opposing coach. You don't do that. And Cal no. said on the broadcast, in the years that he's been broadcasting this game, he's never seen an opposing player square up with the coach on the sideline, not on the field where it sometimes can happen, but on the sideline, just goes into his technical area and puts a finger right in his face. I've never seen that, and it was amazing. And, and, and whatever Adrian said, I'm, I'm assuming that you know as he went as he got up, Adrian made some comment, which is what you know. Yeah, so so, so Sissoko, Sissoko went down really easily and was trying yeah. to get a foul. Yeah, and Adrian goes to pick up the ball and and. From what it looked like from my vantage point, Adrian just said, get up. That was weak or something yeah, like something, something like, like that. that. Just, you know, yeah. and if that if that triggers you into, you know, full uh, full rage, right. yeah. you might want to yeah. you might want to try a different profession because. But that's why, like, all the veteran <laughs> players on Seattle were pushing away. Like, what are you doing? You? Yeah. 21 year old kids squaring up with a 60 year old head coach like, dude, chill out, man. I know. I know it's a hot, hot summer day. There's the atmosphere, the the away atmosphere for you. It's but. Come on, you can't square up with the opposing coach in a technical <laughs> yeah. area. Yeah, did you guys have to hold Boxy in the booth? <laughs> Boxy was just as stunned as we were. He's like, yeah. I've never seen this. He's like, as long as I've known Adrian, there's nothing he could have said that would have sparked that. Like, no. we all looked at each other and we were just thinking, like, the only thing he could have said was just get up. That was yeah, weak. Get up. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. And who, who, who doesn't say that about 30 times a soccer match? <laughs> right? Get up. You're fine. <laughs> I've never said that. No, of course not. That's <laughs> never. never in our loon calls never. after the match about players diving. Don't remember write, last week or two I'm gonna weeks ago. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I have to say, get up your fine at least five times next uh, next Saturday. <laughs> that would be easy. Oh, that would be easy. Fa- it's Portland. Of course it's going to be easy. <laughs> That'll be in the first ten minutes. Get up your fine. All right, so <laughs> let's get to some wider topics about this match. All right. uh, too many for me. The attack still is struggling too much. They get the yeah. 1-0 win great, but you look at halftime and I don't I don't remember the full-time stats, but I know at halftime it stuck out to me. Each team had six shots. Seattle had three on goal despite mm-hmm. not having a whole lot of time on the ball, and Minnesota had none on goal. They never tested Stephen Cleveland in the first half. They barely tested him in the second half. There's just too many instances where players were dribbling trying to get into dangerous areas and no runs were happening and as like I said earlier, the way Seattle set up, it made it hard. But we've been seeing it all season long. The runs just aren't there. There's no consistency or there's no gelling, I guess, with yeah. that attack and knowing where each other is going to be. And I get it. They're all new to the team. So they're still trying to figure each, figure each other out. But they've had plenty of minutes together. You'd think there'd be something a little bit. There'd be something better there. But we're just still not seeing it yet. Yeah, the chemistry hasn't uh, hasn't kind of come together yet. And, and, I mean, I think it will because there's there's a lot of talent out there. And then that's what I think that's why Adrian went to uh, the, the changes that he went to is, yeah. you know, what what success we've had consistently has come out of Robin Lode for the last two years. Right. As far as offense and, and Emmanuel Reynoso's in there, too, more with assists and playmaking. And w- when you bring on a Nico Hansen, you don't get the skill at that position but you know what you're going to get. You're going to get 100% energy. He's going to make things happen. He's going to force the defenders to make plays. Um, he's just a different type of player than Robin Lud is at that position. So 
it, it did. It gave it gave it a totally different look. It doesn't seem like maybe a major change on paper, but it really was um, a complete shift that that any defense would have to really be careful with. Does that concern you at all that that they're not they, scoring much? Yeah. Well, that they're not scoring, yeah, but that they would need to make that switch despite how much they've spent on the new DP forward and Adrian Anu just playing the negative Nancy over here. I'm not too concerned about it, but if you want to look at it that way, there's, there might be people concerned that you have to switch in to the false nine just to get that attacking threat, despite spending big money on a DP forward. Well, I think you have to, because of the talent and the players involved, I think you have to assume that it's going to get better. The chemistry yeah. will come around. I think as long as you're winning, no, I'm not too concerned. It, it, what's the difference whether you beat Seattle one nil or three nil? I mean, Seattle I don't win. care. It's the same number of points. You get three points. Sure. It feels yeah. good. But at this point, as long as they're still winning, you know, I mean, if you've stringed together a few games like you had out in Colorado, it's very concerning. Yeah. You know, but so far they haven't done that other than the first four of the season. So, yeah. you know, as long as they're getting points, they're staying in the middle of the uh, Western Conference where with a with a winning streak they can jump up into a good spot, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I guess, no, I'm not that concerned because I, I, I think they have the right players. Um, it's just a matter of the players finding – how to play with each other. And, and like I said, they're good players. I, I really, I think that'll, I think that'll come around. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, Will Trapp continues to impress for me, at least uh, great off season pickup, absolutely yeah. displaying his, his amazing range of passing. I mean, you had the one early on in the first half where he puts a nice 30 yard ball over the top of the Seattle defense, right on to chase Gasper, who, if, if that's a forward, He's definitely scoring that or getting on, getting that to the the streaking forward who was Audrey Nanu at the time and getting that in. But because of Chase Gasper, he's not really the most technically efficient guy on the ball. You don't really expect that from your fullback, or as you no, call him, the dump that's, truck. That's um, not his. That's not his job. No, that's not his job. <laughs> but it was a great like. He, it's just awesome to see him continue to pick out those passes like he does. And despite the fans who only remember him for his U.S. Men's National Team days and don't remember him for how good he is for the club. I think he's been a fantastic pickup, and he's definitely, if they can keep him here for a long time, he's going to be in that Loons midfield for a very long time because I think he's only, like, what, 28? Yeah, he's not. He's got some good time left in him, and, yeah. and he, he just has, he's one of those guys where a lot of matches we don't talk about him afterwards because he just does his job, and he, yeah. he's, he's safe, he's reliable, he makes the right plays. So, you know, you don't you don't talk about him all that much. But, yeah, he was a great pickup, and, you know, you can play him through, you know, 65 minutes, and then we get a little splash of uh, of Ozzy Alonzo just to get us fired up at the end. I like it. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think that that part of the game is in really good hands. Absolutely. And another part of the game that's surprisingly in good hands, despite a big absence there, the right-back position, DJ Taylor with another impressive display. Mm-hmm. You could see Seattle early were attacking down that side. They were sending Brad Smith up who was the the left wing back for Seattle. So he'd be attacking the right back for Minnesota, which is DJ Taylor. And every time they tried to go over the top with it, DJ Taylor was there to shut shut it down. At I think he's not the full-time replacement yet for Romain Metinier because obviously we still love what Romain Metinier does. DJ Taylor still has to provide a little bit more on the offensive side if he's going to completely fill in. But at 23, he's still young for a defender. He's still got plenty of time and he's got time to learn. And if he can learn under Roman, what better replacement for Roman once mm-hmm. Roman's ready to hang it up? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's good to know that that depth is there. It's good to know that if Roman needs a break, which hardly ever happens, it's usually something <laughs> else besides Roman that keeps him off the pitch. So it's nice to know that the kid can play. And yeah, he doesn't. He's not going to do offensively what what Metinier does. But yeah, it's good to know he can play there. And it's kind of odd because you know we were probably a week ago on this podcast, you know biting her nails over the over the defense yeah you know metonaire's gonna be gone oh who's gonna play in the middle we get we, we need someone else at center back we're and earlier on in the year it was oh my god we need a left back chase is terrible you know and now we look back and go okay coleman did an outstanding job debassi's back and ready to go and we now have a little depth on the right side and chase has just put together solid match after solid match on the left side so yeah things are yeah. things are and they have been for the most part. Things are pretty solid back there. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Debassi and Kalman there. Raul Ruiz Diaz, one of the most potent attackers in the mm-hmm. league, 10 goals on the season. Barely mentioned his name during the broadcast at all. No. Can't remember thinking that he was all that dangerous ever in the match. And that's because of how Debassi and Brent Kalman played all day long against him. They came prepared. I mean, Seattle's buildup was really slow all day. It didn't really feel like they were really trying to catch the Minnesota defense out at all on their counterattack, which is what they've been doing all season long. So I don't know mm-hmm. why it stopped yesterday, but DeBossi and Coleman had a hell of a day yesterday shutting down the Seattle yeah. attacks. Yeah, Rui Diaz, we you know, just kind of hardly was, was really a non-factor. And that's credit to not only uh, the center backs, but the old defense and to uh, Will Trapp, you know, mm-hmm. and in the, in the second and late in the match, Ozzy Alonzo, you know, just making sure that they were supporting the defense and not giving people like that any space. So, yeah, it was it was, you know, you really can't complain about much as far as the way the defense is playing and uh, Tyler Miller's performance, who, again, didn't have to make a, a, a lot of saves, but he had to make some big ones. And he did. So, you know, he's he continues to to be on a, on a great pace in goal for Minnesota, a guy that we thought probably wouldn't be around right now. Yeah. And I think still might not. I mean, the transfer window is still open, so you never know. Yeah. But with the way he's playing, I wouldn't get rid of him at this moment. I, it'd be a gutsy move if you did. <laughs> be ballsy, that's for sure. Uh, so overall, the weekend sees Adrian Heath get his 50th career league win mm-hmm. as uh, manager of Minnesota United. And the Loons pop up to sixth place in the West, just three points behind LAFC in Colorado. So that leads me to my big question, Dan, if you want to do the sounder there for you. Big? What, what's the sounder? You just go big question. Oh, I thought Because I, I can't I do it because I don't have the voice. I can't remember from a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can this win mean for the season? I mean, you get it over an undefeated Seattle side. You come back and bounce back after a terrible performance against Colorado. Now you've got some tough games coming up, but you get this huge win to kind of set the foundation going forward. Yeah, it, it it's a confidence builder. Yeah. I think coming off a bad performance in Colorado made it even bigger. Um, you know, you had the national spotlight. People were watching. So it's a confidence builder. But I think I think there's a there's a game to come in the coming week, two weeks, three weeks, that's actually probably going to mean more. Uh, for the season. I think that'll be when they break out and they score three goals, four goals, five goals, who knows. Are and you I allowed think to do when, that? Well, we, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, oh, I didn't know if that was within the rules or not. Yeah. Well, it can be done. And I think <laughs> at some point that's going to happen because of the skilled players that are up front. And I think that will be the game or the match where you're going to go, Hey, you know, 
this team's up to something and things look good. But um, but what I think this one means is, you know, it means that they've shown that they can uh, have a have lay an egg up in the Rocky Mountains, come back home and correct things and and get it back. Now they had a lot of time to do that um, and a lot a lot of time to think about how how badly they played in Colorado. But I think what it means is that this is a team that isn't I. You know, I should say this or write this down, but I don't think they're going to lose four in a row again this year like they did to start the season. And so they've erased, I think, a lot of those doubts. But, you know, another another wake up call, what they did in Colorado that they got they have to be on every match. They can't take a night off. And, you know, yeah, they know that. But uh, sometimes your losses, you know, they might have learned more in Colorado than they did against Seattle. Yeah, you know, think, and that might be why they were able to get a win against Seattle. So I think if we look back and you know, you know, six matches from now and they have they're on another you know seven match unbeaten streak, we'll go okay, yeah, that was a big win and that was a big yeah. win over Seattle. It's, it catapulted them on another winning streak. But I think the really signature win that's going to change the season is um, is still coming. So. That's fair. I think for me. The as you mentioned, the Colorado loss was a wake up call, and this response for me was such a huge moment for them because in these games after game after the game like Colorado, you want an easy team to have just an easy bounce back win, but they didn't. They didn't have that. They had the undefeated Seattle side <laughs> yeah. coming in. They had the team they've never beaten in MLS play mm-hmm. coming in on national television, one p.m. <laughs> on a Sunday. Everything was yeah. against them despite Seattle missing a handful of players, everything was still against Minnesota, and they still came out and essentially dominated the match. Many people might not agree because it was only a 1-0 win, but Seattle really didn't test Minnesota a whole lot because the back line stepped up, and it showed that they can do that without their captain, Michael Boxel. They can rely on Bakai Debassi. They can rely on Brent Coleman to step up for them. They can rely on DJ Taylor to step up for them. That that midfield pairing of Will Trapp and Asani Dodson continues to prove that it's one of the best in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. I believe, with how they play, with how they're able to step back and defend with their passing range that they're able to do. I think it's one of the better midfields in the Western Conference. I'm willing to say that. And they attack. They realized, yeah, we may not put together a performance that we would like, but you can still get the win. You can still move pieces around and play different ways inside mm-hmm. of matches, which will really test teams because they can't set up to defend against one specific way that Minnesota is going to play because they have these pieces that can slot in anywhere and change the way they're going to play. I think getting the win against Seattle is going to give this team a whole lot of confidence. It's definitely a confidence match or confidence win for them that they're going to be able to go up against whoever comes up next. I mean, Portland next, LAFC, they're going to be able to go into those matches with supreme confidence because of the win against Seattle. Yeah, I would think, and and you're right, and, and with another home match coming up this mm-hmm. Saturday against Portland, as you mentioned, you know, it's a great chance to just, you know, solidify that and and have a home field advantage again. Um, it'll be an evening game this time, so it won't be quite as hot, most likely. Um, so Hopefully. it should be a perfect night. It should be another sellout crowd. And, yeah, it's a chance to just say, all right, we've, you know, We've we've turned it around. We've you know we stumbled in Colorado. We beat the best team in in MLS, and now we're ready to start knocking off people. And Portland, you know, would be next, and hopefully yeah. that's 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 the case. And they don't you know struggle at all against Portland. That's what we hope for, right? I mean yeah. that they can just go out and you know score more than one goal and 
and <laughs> have a party. <laughs> I agree. Uh, as you mentioned, next up, Portland Timbers on the 24th mm-hmm. this Saturday. Pre-match at 6.30 p.m. Kickoff right after 7 p.m. on Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and live.scorenorth.com. Also, once again, on Sirius XM FC, I believe channel 157, if I'm doing, if I'm remembering correctly. I'll make sure to check that before we're out of here today. Um, that is coming up this weekend. The last five for Portland, two wins, two losses, one draw. Most notably, their last win on Saturday night. It was a late goal by Jeremy Ibovici, but they get a 1-0 win against FC Dallas, a team that you would expect a Portland Timbers side at home to get a bigger win than a 1-0 win, but that's all they were able to get on Saturday night. What are we expecting against the seventh-place Portland Timbers? I I think we've talked about Portland I feel like we've played Portland like five times already this year. Just feel like, and I feel like we've talked about them a lot. And and I think every time I, I've said the same thing, they're one of those teams that, you know, you think you're pretty sure they're a playoff team, but you're not sure if they're, you know, uh, just make the playoffs or they're a solid four, five, six team at the end of the year. Because I we've seen them play and look really good. And then we've seen them look, you know, pretty uninspiring. So, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if Portland's trending down right now. I think they are, um, but Minnesota two wins, can two certainly losses, help. One draw that certainly feels kind of yeah. like they're just up and down. They're they're on a roller coaster yeah. ride this season. Uh, but struggling at home against FC Dallas, you know, it kind of makes you think there. And, and you know, I guess Minnesota will find out on Saturday if if they can you know, finally put some offense together. They can make sure that you know Portland's kind of trending down. So, yeah. I agree. I'm hoping that Minnesota can basically pull off the same result they pulled off at Portland a couple weeks ago. I mean, you go in there, get an early goal. Hopefully you're able to add on to that early goal. But, I mean, really keep Portland off the board all night. So and continue greedy. to. Yeah, I, I like, like clean see, sheets. You'd like to see two goals scored almost every match, wouldn't you? I'd like to see two <laughs> goals scored at all for this team at some point. Be nice. <laughs> All right, so that has been our review and preview. Dan, time to take a look across the league. Before we do that, let's do some housekeeping again. You're listening to Loon Talk with Dan Terrar and myself, Jonathan Harrison. We are the radio broadcast team for all Minnesota United matches, but we are not employed by Minnesota United for this particular podcast. This is a Score North podcast, so we can say whatever the heck we want. This is the most unofficially official Minnesota United podcast, as we like to call it. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts, as well as a video version of it a couple days later over on Score North's YouTube channel. Dan, big news coming out of MLS this weekend. Gabrielle Heinze, one of the hirings of the offseason. I know I was excited about it um, because of his style of play down in Argentina. I figured with the attacking pieces that Atlanta has or had at the time that he'd be able to come in and hit the ground running. Well, he was given 17 matches before he was fired, and boy, do we have a lot to unpack here that has come out in the past (laughs) 24 hours. So, obviously, 17 matches in charge across all competitions. Had only won two league matches all season, most notably Mm -hmm. losing, most recently losing 1-0 at home to the New England Revolution. A lot of teams have lost to New England this season. Yeah, that's not terrible. Yeah. Within the last week, he had essentially banished star forward Joseph Martinez for reasons he wouldn't divulge. So Joseph Martinez was practicing on his own. Then he was not even in the 18 on Saturday's match for Saturday's match. And Atlanta United fans, because it was a home match, were letting Heinze know that they're not with him. They're with Joseph. You don't banish the star striker, one of the most potent attackers 
in this league and probably in the league's history with how he was scoring goals just at ease in this league. Um, continuing on with yeah. all the stuff that's come out, it's been reported the MLSPA, the Players Association, filed a grievance with the league over multiple infractions related to team training schedules. That was by Doug Roberson of the Atlanta <laughs> Journal-Constitution. Also being reported today by Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports, <clears throat> that Heinzel limited the amount of available water during preseason practices to the point where the team's medical staff had to step in. The team today <laughs> in a press conference said the firing was not results related. Uh, based off those two stories, if they're true, yeah, I I would understand why it's not medical or why it's not results related. I mean, results weren't good, but if you're limiting the amount of water players have available, and apparently that was well known in Argentina, that that's how his training, that was well, his training style, was that he was very, very hard on his players. And well, if you're if Atlanta, right, if that's well known in Argentina, research? why are you hiring him? I don't know. How do you so, not do your research and find that out? So do you, do you here, here's my take on this. And we've talked about players that have come in from other places all around the world and think it's going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. And my best take is he thought he was going to come in here and it's the MLS I can coach circles around everybody. I can win. And all of a sudden, he's not winning. People are starting to look at him. People are starting to point at him. And he's got to have a scapegoat. So he goes after Martin. Why? I don't know why he went after him. You know? I have and no he's idea. angry. He's, his, his, his massive ego has been just crushed. And so he does starts doing stupid things. And yeah. You know, goodbye, good riddance. You know, see you, buddy. Another, I mean, somebody else in the uh, international soccer world learned that it's not that easy to come in and dominate in the MLS, whether you're a player or a coach. It's yeah, just, I mean, it's not that easy. And you look at, like you mentioned it there, another coach learned in Atlanta coming off a racing coach that learned that it was hard to come into this league, <clears throat> Frank DeBoer, who yeah. has been just stumbling since his, his run at Ajax, which. Clearly, Ajax has shown that it wasn't Frank DeBoer that was the success. It was just the foundation that is Ajax Football Club, that they're just really good at developing young talent, and Frank DeBoer is just not that good of a coach. Hence why he was fired by the Netherlands after the Euros, because he wasn't playing the the Netherlands way. He didn't play the way Atlanta had played under Tata Martino. Since Tata Martino was or decided to leave for Mexico, Atlanta's really been downhill since then. They won mm-hmm. the MLS Cup in 2018, and basically since then... It's been straight downhill. They are quickly turning into what seems to be a really poorly run organization. And for those first two years, everybody was praising them. And it sure seems now, looking hindsight, that that was all Tata Martino, not Carlos Bocanegra. It's a long long fall from the top, isn't it? Man. (laughs) So do you think – here's a question for you. Do you think we're going to maybe see a trend with some of the things that have happened coaching-wise in the MLS – do you think maybe we see a trend going towards coaches that have done their coaching, maybe even their playing in the MLS that understand mm-hmm. the league better, know Absolutely. what to expect, know how to handle <clears throat> the league better? I'm wondering if that's going to be a, a player. We'll stop focusing on trying to bring in this big international name to coach our team and look for someone that really understands the league itself. Yeah, you look at, I think Tata Martino is the last coach who didn't coach in the MLS for a very long time Mm -hmm. to win the MLS title. The rest of the, I think four of, I think it's four of the past five, at least have all 
been in MLS for a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Greg Vanny and Brian Schmetzer have been in the league yeah. for a very long time. Caleb Porter has been in the league for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think because of the way Atlanta and Toronto are, they're the two open coaching vacancies right now. Because of the way they are and because of the way they build their rosters, I don't imagine they'll go inside MLS unless they're trying to poach a coach, which we don't see that often in this league. You see it in other leagues where the top clubs will try and go poach a manager from another team who's considered a lower club who's doing well. But you don't really see that in MLS that often. If you're Atlanta and specifically Atlanta because they've struggled in their past two coaching hires, I would do that, but it's not going to be the blockbuster signing that they always seem to want that Toronto always mm-hmm. seems to want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, yeah, because it, it hasn't paid out too many times. And so you can't, you know, you can't keep doing it if it's not working. Yeah. You know? I think well, Atlanta, we'll get it right this time. You I know, think we'll these teams right absolutely should. I think they yeah. should stay within MLS because I do. the coaches who have success in this league know this league. It is a very different league from other leagues around the mm-hmm. world because you got the salary cap situation. You can't yeah. just go out and get whoever you want. The time, the travel schedule is so different. Compared you have to, to give other your leagues. players yeah. water. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so different here in the United right. States. Who gives their players water? Who treats them like you? Weak. How players are weak you? if you give them water. Yeah, I don't understand that mm. tactic. But yeah, Gabriel Heinze out as Atlanta United manager. Um, other news outside of scores: Gianluca Busio, the star, nineteen-year-old for, I guess now the U.S. Men's National Team as well as Sporting Kansas City. According to Taylor Twelman, is on the verge of a deal to move to Venezia of Serie A, their recently promoted side. Um, the 19-year-old, according to Taylor Twelman, is moving for a value of around 10 to 11 million dollars, which would be kind of a mind-blowing figure for a homegrown American talent. It's wow. just like I think it was Davy Alfonso Davies. He went for around 15 million, and he's proven why he was worth that much, if if not more. He's become one of the better left backs in the world for Bayern Munich, and now Gianluca Busio. 19 years old, playing with F- or Sporting Kansas City for a while now, showing that he's good at the international level as well. Going for that much money, it mm-hmm. seems to fit, but it's also a really big moment for young American transfers from MLS over to Europe that yeah. you're not just going to get these guys for cheap anymore. You're going to have to pay out, and that's mm-hmm. an exciting prospect for American fans who've wanted to see this for a while, knowing the talent that we can develop here. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a huge Huge signing, and congratulations to him. Congratulations yep. to Sporting Kansas City, and you know this is this is what every team dreams of having happen. Now you'd like to have a player stay and play, but you know let's reap the reap the benefits of having him sign a huge contract like that. Absolutely. Uh, now going to scores around the league from the weekend. You want to start in the crazy game in Montreal or the crazy game in Nashville? <laughs> Nash- both Nashville. Have- Nashville, both had five goal results. Nashville scoring five goals, only giving up one. Henny Mukhtar bags a six-minute hat-trick starting from the 10th minute, meaning it was the quickest hat-trick from the start of a game in league history. Chicago's in a world of hurt, but Henny Mukhtar came in as a DP signing for them. Didn't really impress too much last year. I mean, he wasn't given a whole lot of attacking talent around him last year. They focused mainly on defense. But getting a hat-trick that quickly, within six minutes... Of the start of it. Impressive performance. He was easily the player of the week. He's on the team of the week for obvious reasons. But, yeah, it was an impressive performance there. Well, just to get – who gets three chances in six minutes? I mean, seriously. That, that's, and the third one that's was amazing. Impress- the third one was super impressive. It was a really beautiful free kick that he took. Free we kick coming that. off the result of a red card because he mm-hmm. was taken down. So, 
yeah, it was it was really well done hat trick. The yeah, other crazy game, yeah. as we mentioned, Montreal back in Montreal for the first time in over a year, uh, hosting FC Cincinnati. This one not the brightest display of defense in the league history, <laughs> as it was a five four result for Montreal. Montreal <laughs> were down four two at halftime, then charged back with three unanswered goals in the second half to win. Mason Toy bagging a brace there, former loon. Wow, this game. FC Cincinnati continuing to struggle to stop goals from pouring into their Yeah, head. Yeah, luckily they can score. So let me ask you this. Would you rather win 5-4 or 1-0? 1-0. Yeah, and that's one why nil. when people keep, you know, that's why I kept saying when you were talking about we want to score more than one goal. So, you know, I don't care. As long as they, <laughs> as long as they win 1-0, yeah. I think that's much more impressive because if you win 5-4, you're going, ooh, look, we scored goals. Everybody scored, you know. Right. And but then you go, wait a minute, we gave up four goals to a team that's not very good. I don't that, want that struggle to attack. That yeah, has struggled to score goals. Yeah, and so I don't want that. I don't want to have to worry about giving up. You know, I, I like going into matches knowing that if you do score two or three, I know it's crazy talk, but you're you're almost guaranteed a win. I wouldn't yeah. want to think that we could go score four goals and lose. I don't right. ever want to be that team. That scores like, four and loses. Yeah. I like goals, but I also like the value of clean sheets. I think they they just give you a ton of confidence, yeah. and it makes it harder for teams to come in and just assume they're going to score goals. And the goal differential will obviously help better if you're scoring goals and not allowing any. Right. The goal differential, yeah. it does come into play in the tiebreaker, so you always want to have a good goal di- differential, but you also want to have a really good defense. And, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather win 1-0 than 5-4. I'll take the defense, yeah. Mainly as a producer for highlight reasons, but yeah. That's right. A lot less work for you. <laughs> um, let's see here. Other scores. LA Galaxy. We talked about them last week saying they feasted on the weak teams in the league and struggled against the good teams. Does that mean Vancouver's a good team because Vancouver got a 2-1 win against the Galaxy? Mm, or are no. they still a terrible team? No. And now we're just seeing the Galaxy kind of come down, come back down to earth. Yeah, I, it could be it could be a really long second half for Ga- the Galaxy and Chicharito. It really could. Chicharito's not playing because he's injured, but yeah, I agree. Still, the still one of the leading goal scorers in the league. Yeah, the we'll radius. see how that pans out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other results in MLS: LAFC secure a two-one win against RSL. Portland leave it late, but to get a one win, as we mentioned earlier, against FC Dallas means the Loons sit currently in sixth place. In the Western Conference, good place um, to be. Yeah, good place to be. That is a good and, place to be at this point of the season. When you yeah. when you're you've you've probably had your worst run of the season behind you. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a good place to be. Yeah, you've probably got your worst game of your season behind you out of the way, and yeah, it's only up now from here. Especially after you get a one 0 win against piece of the undefeated leaders of the league. All right, <clears> so <throat> time for the not piece of cake segment. Apparently, according to. Our results. Write that down, Dan. Are you ready for this? I am so ready. It was. I've got so much work for you to do. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as last week, and I'm really looking forward to all the work that you always give me on. Write that down. Mm-hmm. Hint the sar or note the sarcasm. Um, if you haven't listened to Loon Talk before and you haven't listened to Write That Down, here's what it is: It's three soccer-related predictions. At least one of those predictions has to be Minnesota United-related. Uh, mm-hmm. We will keep track of the correct predictions. We'll call them goals. We'll keep track of them throughout the year, and most goals at the end of the year wins the golden boot. Before we get to our write-that-down predictions, we have what we call an accountability session. 
Four came off the board this oh, week. Oh, man. All of them wrong. Oh, we'll start with me. The, I said the Loons will not drop below the playoff line again this season. Yeah, that happened. Because they played on Sunday, and the rest of the league played on Saturday, and LAFC and Portland and I believe RSL. Well, hold on. I'm trying to remember how this all went. I'm looking at the table here. Yeah, Portland and RSL had climbed above Minnesota temporarily, dropping Minnesota out of the playoff line. Or below the playoff yeah, line. 24 and then hours the win, is all you lost that one by. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's irritating. Because right. okay. they didn't yeah. end the week below below the playoff line. But they no, still but they, were, they were below the line. So. so technically, that one's wrong. And then I did say Minnesota will get a win with a clean sheet. But I said they will at least score two or more goals. Well, they scored one. And hopefully at some point they'll mm. decide they, they like the number two or three or four more than just one. But <laughs> we'll take a win. All right. right, so then you said <clears throat> Toronto will lose their next three matches because they were coming off a 3-2 win against or at New England after they had recently fired their coach. Mm-hmm. Well, they draw against Orlando, so there goes your prediction right away. See, I didn't know they were going back home. <laughs> I don't I think they did either. No, nobody did. So I thought there's, they still can't even go home. They're going to lose. All right, they got to draw. Fine. Got to draw against Orlando. Fine. And then you said the USA will get a clean sheet against Martinique. Well, come on. Thanks. Thanks to, I believe, Acosta, Kellen Acosta. They gave away a penalty late in the match. They were already up 5-0, I believe, at the time. Exactly. Gave away a penalty. Martinique scores the penalty because penalties are, you know, 50-50. And there goes your clean sheet prediction. So the results on the year. Let me get to that. I feel so unsatisfied with that one. The records on the year remain the same pretty much except for our percent our percent correct. I still have six. You still have nine. Guests still have two. Mm-hmm. Listeners still pulling an offer on the season. Uh, the guests leading the correct predi- or correct percentage with 40%. Then you're next up with 29, and I have 21. Yeah. So that has been our accountability section, session. So now it's time for Write That Down. Dan, I'll let you start because I started last week. Write that down. All right. I call this first one, Jonathan, two or more. <clears throat> Two or more. Two or more. Not your trifecta, trifecta, trifecta. Two or more. Minnesota, Saturday against Portland. Minnesota will have two or more goals. Okay. Two different goal scorers or more. Two or more saves for Tyler Miller. And there will be two or more yellow cards in the match. Okay, that's write a lot that of down. You're going to have to send me that after the show. <laughs> I'm not going to write that down. Write that down. I'm writing it down. You're writing that down. All right. <laughs> Dan, write this down. Yep. We've talked a lot about the standings because you know I love to look at standings early in the season. By the end of August. End of August. Pulling up their schedules, their matches here. They've got a handful of games in August. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They've got mm-hmm. like eight games in August. Yep. By the end of the by the end of August, the loons, write this down, will be in the top three of the Western Conference. Ooh, I'm writing that down. I hope they you're right. are. So LA Galaxy currently sitting on 24 points. Minnesota sitting in sixth on 18 points. Mm-hmm. Galaxy are terrible. We've noted that. Sporting Kansas City, I think, could drop. They're missing a ton of players. Okay. Uh, and they're going to sell one of their better players. So they're missing a ton of players there. I think they could drop. I don't expect them to drop too far, but they could drop. Colorado, we've seen how good they are. LAFC have been on a roller coaster this season. Minnesota are only six points out of third place right now. That's just two wins. And you have a ton of games coming up, specifically one of them against the Galaxy. 
Yep. I think the Loons, by the end of August, write that down, will be in top three of the Western Conference. All right. I hope you're right. I'll write that down. All right. My okay. second one. We're going to the Minnesota Amateur Soccer League again. Yes. I'm going back. I'm going back. Thursday, Spam FC taking on <laughs> the Cardinals. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Spam FC? Yes, yeah, Spam FC. Yeah. You, Do they play in Austin, Minnesota? Them? You're not Do familiar with them? No. Do they play in Austin? Is that why no, they're called Spam? So. I don't think so. They could be, but I don't know. But they're playing at Augsburg. Okay. Thursday at Augsburg. If the Cardinals win, they will move into first place in Division I of the Minnesota Amateur Soccer League. So I'm going to predict a shutout win by at least three goals for the Cardinals over Spam FC. They're going to vault into first place in Division I with a clean win. You're saying, you the Cardinals are deep fry, you're saying the Cardinals are going to deep fry Spam no. FC. No, I'm not going to say that. No, It's too close to the fair to start talking that way. <laughs> I'm so excited for the fair. You can tell I didn't. I wasn't in the radio profession long enough to hate it like you do. Yeah, when you go there every day and you got to see the I don't care. I love underbelly the and the how the sausage is made, it's not <sighs> so great. I love the fair. <laughs> no, it's a good time, so hope you have All fun. Right. Write this down. We mentioned the situation down in Atlanta and how Joseph Martinez was banished from the the side. Well, now that the guy who banished him is gone, I imagine Joseph Martinez is going to get back in the squad. Oh, good one. Just in time for them to face Cincinnati, a team that struggles mightily on defense. Joseph Martinez is going to stick it to Gabriel Heinze. He's going to bag a hat trick Wednesday against FC Cincinnati. (sighs) Write that down. That might have been greedy. I think I would have gone with the brace. Nah, I want a hat trick. Joseph Martinez is going to bag a hat trick and do something. This isn't part of the write that down. He's going to do something. predict a hat trick? I'm predicting a hat trick. Nobody can predict a hat You know what? If he gets the hat trick, you, I'll give you an extra a bonus point. Oh, it's worth two goals. I like a it. bonus point, yes. Because it's a golden predict. goal. Because I would have been impressed if you said he's going to get a brace. Now, nah, Joseph Martinez is going to score a hat right. trick against FC Cincinnati. Write that down. This isn't part of the write that down, but one of his celebrations is going to be something about – it's going to be a <laughs> passive-aggressive nod to Gabriel Heinze yeah. for benching Who will him. not be watching from no. Argentina. No, he won't be watching. <laughs> but he'll hear about it. All right, my third one. Uh, let's go Olympics. I'm going to okay. be the first to crack into the Olympics. Saturday, Group G – um, New Zealand versus uh, USA. Yep. And since the uh, USA women's women Olympics, really, what? Yeah, women's. I'm sorry. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because the USA men aren't in. Yeah. No. no Should have been, but would have been nice. But yeah. um, since because of the dominance of the USA women, I think that they win um, by four goals or more against New Zealand. Okay, I like it because I think at any, I think it doesn't matter who they're playing. There's the potential for them to win and score five or six goals. So they'll win. They'll beat New Zealand by four or more. You're not going to predict their tournament opening win like they had in the goal, the World Cup two years yeah. ago, where it was thirteen nil. No, and you know what? I tried to watch part of that. You know, for for everybody out there that wants a lot of goals. Be careful what you wish for because it's really not exciting. I remember being on era at the time, and we were in the middle of. I think a Viking, one of the, we were in the middle of Purple Daily. And it was just like, I was losing my mind. Like, there's there's eight goals and there's still like 40 minutes left. Yeah. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, no. It was incredible. Not, that's not fun for anybody. So, no, I think they'll win by four. I feel bad for the other more. team at that point. Yeah, that's nah, just not fun. Write that All down. Right. What do you got? Write that down. My final one, I'm going Gold Cup. 
So I know the U.S. and Mexico will be on opposite sides of the bracket, just the way CONCACAF draws it up every time, because they want a U.S.-Mexico final. Well, write that down, CONCACAF. Either the U.S. or Mexico will not make the final. I don't know who. I don't think one one or the other will not make the final. We've seen it a couple times over the past year, a couple couple tournaments, and it's always been the U.S. that Mm -hmm. haven't made the final. But I think one of these two teams will not make the final. Wow. Okay. Right, that. All right. All right. I wish I had one more left. I know what I'd go with. <laughs> <laughs> you're pre- you're you you'd predict the U.S. Mexico Gold Cup final. Yeah, of course I would. Of course. That way one of us gets a point. Well, Somehow. there's still time next next week. The, might, the tournament right, will wrote, still be going. I wrote out. that down. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> that has been write that down for this week, mm. and that has been loon talk this week. I got as one we thing come for up you. Here. Yeah. I got something for you next week. Okay. okay? Next week. I want you to come up, and I will do the same. If we have a guest next week, make sure you tell them the same thing. Come up with your three all-time favorite soccer movies. Oh, okay. I have to think about yeah. this. Might, I might actually have to watch some some movies this week, which I already do a lot. But you start okay. thinking about it, there's more than you think. Yeah, but I'll be really couple. disappointed if you if Ladybugs makes your top three. <laughs> Can I ask if Green Street Hooligans is going to be one of your three? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three. We might have to get Cal on for that one. Yep. Three favorite all-time soccer movies. Okay. All right. Sounds good. We will right. do that next weekend or next week. This has been Loon Talk with myself and Dan Terrar. We are, as I mentioned before, and I will mention every week, we are the radio broadcast team for all Minnesota United matches on the radio. You can hear us on Score North on AM 1500, the Score North mobile app, and live.scorenorth.com. The next match for Minnesota this weekend against Portland at 7 p.m. Pre-match starts at 6.30 p.m. You can also hear us on Sirius XM FC Channel 157. I did look it up. That is the channel if you want to listen to us nationwide. You can also find our podcast anywhere you find your podcast. Remember to give us a rating, review, and a subscription. And you can also find the video version where you can see our faces talk soccer for an hour or more over on Score North's YouTube channel. Be sure to follow us over there and give us a watch. Dan, I will talk to you on Saturday. Looking Saturday, forward to it. Saturday. Should be great. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, sir. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week. To be your best every day. You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.